0: It's December 3rd, 2006, and this is The Candid Frame. Welcome to another episode of The Candid Frame. The year is almost out. Can you believe it? We only have less than uh, 30 days, and it's going to be 2007. It's it's hard to believe that I've been doing this for almost a year now. But I'm glad that you've stuck around or that you found me, and um, I think you're going to really like today's interview. Um, I always say that, but I think they're all good. But one of the things that I wanted to do when I started doing the podcast is that I wanted to make sure that there were a diversity of voices that were represented by by the podcast. When you look through a lot of the magazines, there seems to be a sort of uniformity in terms of the faces that you see. There are certain names and uh, that you see all the time. And I wanted to make this podcast a, a venue where photographers, both pro- professional and amateur and people who do it completely full-time and people who do it part-time, um, would have an opportunity to share their images and their experiences in photography. And, and Jenny Wu, who's my guest today, is one of those photographers. Um, she's another instructor through a better photo and I had an opportunity to meet her while I was up in, in Redmond. And, you know, when you see her, your images, you can see that she's produced an amazing body of work. And, um, but the thing I I thought that was really interesting uh, is the fact that she is a person who has a normal job, yet still manages to find the time to go out and shoot and, and teach and I think it's important for a lot, of, a lot of us to be able to hear that because when we look at the pages of, of the magazines, these photographers, all of them seem to be doing this full time. They don't have a, a normal nine to five that they go out and, and do and then go out and, and, and do the images. And I think it's important to recognize that we all have the opportunity to be able to create images despite the fact that we have normal jobs that we have to attend to uh, during the course of the week. And I think she is a great example of how if you're really passionate and, you're really, and you really want to make photography more than just a weekend endeavor, um, where you have to start. And uh, I know that she, like me, aspired to be able to dedicate all our time to, to photography. But in the meantime, it doesn't mean that our images and our urge to be creative has to suffer for it. So sit back and enjoy our conversation with Jenny Wu. Thank you for taking the time this morning to uh, to do this.
1: Of course, of course.
0: Um, tell me about your background as, as as a photographer. When was the first time that you you discovered photography, and when did you decide that you know this is some this was an area that you really wanted to explore?
1: Mm, well, that's a long question. Uh, background as photographer, I probably first started taking photographs with a little um, 110 camera that uh, my dad got me for when we went out. We'd go backpacking. And so we first, I first went backpacking when I was five, and my dad would uh, carry all the gear, sleeping bags for my sister and I and things like that. And uh, we would, I'd carry my, my little 110 camera, my, my stuffies, and my blankies. And then, um, I'd take photos of you know the lake or things like that, which was really quite a lot of fun and then I didn't really get into it more seriously until high school and college worked on papers and things like that and just probably about twenty years ago when I was in college, I decided to major in photography, so that is probably my first when I first really got more serious about it
0: well the the fact that you know that that it was the time that you spent with your dad. Uh, kind of gives me a sense of why the outdoors became became your subject because i think um it's one thing to be lured there by by the beauty of the scene which is already there but i think yeah, the the fact that it's something that was introduced to you by a parent sort of infuses a sort of a real personal context to to oh, exploring yeah. the scene Mhm yeah cuz
1: you know he has a love of nature so he shared that with us and And so to get to be outdoors and uh, experiencing it definitely influenced me to what I do now. And also, but then in college, there is such a variety of things, which is really kind of the nice thing about that experience, was that I did shoot everything, you know, journalistic, um, documentary, you know, portraits, because there's classes on in all different areas, color and black and white. And it gave me a chance to figure out what I really did like, and I kind of went back to what I began with
0: mm Tell me about the, your your experience studying photography, because photography for, for, for a long time wasn't something you needed to go to school for. But I think over the last, you know, a couple of, I guess, decades, there have been sort of more of a presence of, of schools. But I'm wondering, what role do you feel it played for you? in terms of becoming a photographer and, and developing your eye as opposed to just going out there uh, on your own to, to learn it?
1: Oh, well, I, you know, I don't think people need to go to school or have to. There's plenty of phenomenal photographers who haven't ever taken a class. And for me, though, it was helpful. For me, I, um, because I was able to try out different areas and get feedback from somebody who has already has a sense of composition or a sense of technique and learn those, and the And so it helped me to come together. And one of the great things about having the structures is the inspiration and the hope they provide of saying, oh, yeah, good job. And then it's encouraging to help me keep going along versus getting discouraged when I get my photos back and go, that isn't at all what I wanted to see, you know. Mm -hmm. That wasn't what I intended. And then they say, okay, well, you know, give me the techniques and the feedbacks to create what I really do see in my mind and, and could then finally see it then on print.
0: In looking at your photographs it was I was really looking at them and trying to see what what sort of sense I was getting over overall of the images. And I think uh-huh. what I came away with is that you, you definitely use the, the technique of, of using a, a strong strong foreground element to complement the, the background scene. but yeah. what I was seeing though was that I felt like that you you were playing with color in a particularly nice way that the color itself wasn't there to go, oh look how, you know, great this color looks but there seemed to be a a, a playing off of each other that I saw in in a lot of the images. Um, talk to me about that in terms of how you use and see color when when you're composing a landscape.
1: Oh, absolutely. Color is just one of those things that I love to work with. And even though I love black and white images and find them absolutely amazing, I definitely feel I'm stronger with the color. And um, it's very simple to learn basic color, like looking at a color wheel and then um, complementary colors, like blue and orange are complementary colors. Mm-hmm. So, Or, you know, blue, blue and yellow is very close. So I might look for something, you know, yellow leaves to complement a blue sky. So I purposely, um, when I'm out, even though I'm kind of like just, in a, hopefully in a good space where just things just flow. But in my mind, I already have the background knowledge that I have of, of you know, color theory, just basic color theory of complements and what colors look good together. And using that, and so if I see yellow, I'll purposely look for something blue. Or if I see, you know, a red, I'll look for something green. Um, because uh, you want to get those complementary colors, because those colors really make, when you get complementary colors, they... They create a contrast that really makes things go pop and wow. So I find something to in the scene that will make it have that balance to it. Mm-hmm. And there's so many, so you know, there's often so many ways to look for that. And finding um, finding that is always a joy. You know, I see that and I go, "Oh, wow, that's great!" Complimentary colors.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's really important because I think. Um having that awareness of how color um, complements each other, how colors mm-hmm. can contrast and create uh, energy as a result of being juxtaposed against each other is something that mm-hmm. really you need to be aware of whether you're shooting landscapes or shooting product shots or mm-hmm. just shooting stuff in the street you know having just a little bit of knowledge of, of color theory theory can make a remarkable difference in, oh, in the, yeah. look of the images and then and then you introduce you know great lighting and a strong composition you can knock it out of the park.
1: <laughs> that's great. Yeah, and, and not just complementary colors, also colors in the same color palette look well together. So things that are kind of in the magentas, reds, and getting a whole range of those, or like fall colors, you know, goldens, browns, and yellows. So colors that are similar, I either look for colors that are similar or colors that are opposite, and then mm. put those together.
0: When when you go out into a, a scene and travel to a scene that's, a lot of a lot of people who aspire to be outdoor, for, you know, outdoor photographers or nature photographers of some sort often are going to, you know, often photograph locations like during a workshop, for example. Mm-hmm. But I think that some of the, the best work is a result of, you know, venturing out on your own and really exploring a place, not simply parking your car and taking a couple of steps and snapping a picture, but really kind of going to a location and really investigating it. Tell me about some of your favorite locations and how you came to, to discover them and when you visit them, what is your whole process in terms of finding a, a place to shoot?
1: Mm, okay, well first one, that's a great question. I have. Um, I live here in California so I'm close to a lot of beautiful locations. The Eastern Sierras is one of my favorite, um, near Mono Lake or Bishop, and along three ninety five Mammoth Lakes. So that whole area is really gorgeous, and of course Yosemite. And then there's the coast, Big Sur, Mendocino, and Point Reyes. So is all just all along the the coast is really you know beautiful, and as well as Alaska. Probably another favorite of mine, Denali, and uh, uh, the southern part of it so the locations those so you can find those all over the place and, you know close to home too even just in a local park and then let's see what was your second part of that question
0: when you arrive at those locations uh-huh. in terms of oh, yeah. discovering a place do you just kind of go hiking do you have a and just kind of come upon what you see and shoot it, or do you have a sense that you're going to go to a particular area because you expect the light to be a certain uh, a certain way? What's, what's your sort of process? Because I know you're going out there for a the large part by yourself, so you're not really going out mm-hmm. there as a group.
1: I go by myself, and I sometimes go with other photographers that I know, like one or two other photographers okay. that I travel with once in a while, and um, I try to keep an open mind and um first of course try to be in a good space because i know if i am i've got to get a shot you know is working in tahoe had a gallery that show there and they're like well we needed images of tahoe and i'm like okay i got to get a shot tonight right so that's going to be good and then i found myself kind of in this anxious spot this place and i'm like well that, that didn't make it for – I didn't get a great shot, and it was because I was in an anxious place, you know. And if instead I come to um, a location clear-headed and allowing my intuition to come in, kind of get those get senses, of, okay, well, I wonder what it's going to look like over here. I check out – you know, I do some research beforehand, and then when I get there, I really have to be in a space of um, – just kind of going with the flow in the moment and just seeing what I find. And I really just love just going there and just looking and seeing what I find and photographing it. And the research that I do beforehand is, um, you know, looking for, um, I might look on a map, see where the mountains are, see when they're going to be, by sunlight, are going to be hit on sunlight in the morning and the evening. Um, what time of year are the flowers there? I'll call up the ranger stations, ask them. Okay, when are the flowers in bloom? And then show up at that time. Um, you know, go. Uh, you know, watch the weather. Okay, first snow happens uh, of the season happens is going to be happening tonight. Therefore, I'll go tomorrow and just head on out and just drop whatever I'm doing and make it a priority to be able to be there when the seasons come together and the times and the and all of the light are there
0: you know you know you make such a great point in terms of that being of the place that you're in because i've been there myself where i'm Uh so filled with anxiety in terms of producing something and it's because i'm more focused and obsessed with the end result rather than being in the moment yes yes it's being in the moment that you become more aware of everything and mm-hmm. provides you the palette from which you can create a photograph. That's a great point. Um,
1: oh yes, I completely agree with that. It's, so of course, of course, any photographer probably and and everybody knows when they've been in that place where they're in the moment of it and they can um, just get those gut feelings and go with it. Yeah.
0: You know, one of the things that um, I, I like to, to talk about is people, uh, photographers who have a normal day job.
1: You know, uh-huh. yeah, that's nevertheless,
0: neat. go out and 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 create you know the, their images, and I think it's a, an important topic of conversation because oftentimes the the photographers that often come to mind are, are people who appear to be doing this you know full time. You know, I, I mm-hmm. interview plenty of them in the magazine, but you know, historically, uh, a lot of the greatest photographers always had a, a day job that had nothing to do with photography, and I want I want to talk to you about the fact that you know with with your schedule with a normal nine-to-five how you manage to still allocate time to to spend you know developing your craft and where do you find your your photo opportunities when you're you're not traveling
1: oh yeah well that has been a challenge in the past for me and the So it is weekends and evenings and um, vacations that really make it for times when I get to create the images and do the work that I love to do. And so that, for me, is my absolute passion, what I love. So I make it a priority. It just has to be that way.
0: You uh, do a lot of uh, exhibition of your work. I think you go through Mm -hmm. a lot of the uh, sort of... um, Art shows oh. and, and mm-hmm. some galleries. Yeah. tell me about how that process be- began for you, because I think a lot of a lot of people are sort of interested in, in being able to to sell their work, if not in you oh, know yeah. in magazines, but just just sharing their work. Um, you had some real inter- interesting insights into that when you were up in Redmond. I'd like to talk to you a little more about that. So let's start off how you how you first pursued it and and started making that happen for you.
1: Oh sure. Well, one thing is that I was working part time not. 40 hours a week, more like, you know, two days a week. Um, so that was helpful because um, then I, you know, had the time to create the images now and put everything together and get ready for a show. So, um, of course, that was one step going from full-time to part-time, and then the next step would then be to go, no, more day job. So I'm taking it in slow, pace, in slow steps and uh, not rushing it, you know, keeping on to my secure, present security, you know. Mm-hmm. And then for the art shows, um, did a little research on it. There are um, like art fairs listings, found the listings, and then, um, then the listings will tell you, um, give you the links and the information for the various art shows. So I looked at the art shows um, that were around in California, mostly Northern California areas, and uh, submitted images for those. And then um, when I got in, I um, I showed up. And that was at first quite difficult. I had submitted quite a few and didn't get in and then found out, you know, kind of, well, you know, the people who... Um, judge it are the people who were there last year and they voted the people they know to uh, come into the art shows. But once into a show, then get invited back or uh, oftentimes and um, depends on, you know, each show is judged differently. So just getting first, just getting in was the first step. So then once I got into the shows, then I was um, able to um, then I you know did all the matting framing and that, and bought my stuff there, got you know booth, and uh, set it all up, and sold some work
0: hmm. And when you actually got into some of the gallery exhibitions, you you were you doing it primarily in group shows, or did you is that the way you started?
1: Um, I started with group shows, and then I've done some solo shows as well, and those you know being out and just getting your stuff in galleries, you know, putting it on a CD, sending it off, submitting it, and then they uh, let you know whether you've been accepted for their next year's or um, shows or not. And that has been, you know, just showing work is so much fun. I mean, it really is quite the icing on cake to get, you know, to have people to look at one's images and get beautiful feedback on it.
0: With, um, when, when you're doing... Um when you're going to the, the art festivals and sell images, mm-hmm. um, oftentimes it's it's having an awareness of what your clients are looking for, you know, or what will really really kind of pique someone's interest enough to want to buy a piece of work. Um, mm-hmm. What has your experience shown you in terms of, because it's one thing for a photographer to say, okay, this is my favorite photographs and go and this will sell well. But then when you go out there, you find that what appeals to you may not necessarily appeal to the people who are actually purchasing it.
1: You know oh, saying? that's so true. So, oh, yeah. You know, and it's really interesting because the ones that I think are like technically and uh, you know compositionally just phenomenally photography and and uh, you know they may not sell as well. You know, people buy whatever you put out there. I think because uh, pretty much one of everything is sold at some point. But the um, there are ones it, being at an art show or a art or gallery or festival or those things, you get immediate feedback from the people because they say, oh, I love this one, I love this one. And you hear the same ones being mentioned over and over again that that it's that instant feedback of, okay, well, this works. This one doesn't work as well. And... um, even though I may like it, I go, oh well. You know what? There, are, this is rather monochromatic, and you know that's really it doesn't have enough appeal, enough interest. You know, and while I may have liked it when I first shot it, now I'm seeing um, why people are like are drawn to other images. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of nice to get to get that instant feedback from because there's you know hundreds of people come through an art festival and get so much comments going on.
0: You know one of the things so uh, uh, I was, to get that quickly I was just recently talking to uh, one of the directors of a, of a one of the big um, photo schools and he was talking uh-huh. to me about the fact that that a growing number of the students are are, are now women so on a lot of these schools oh. oftentimes you' as many as sort of fifty percent of the the students um, getting degrees in photography are women um, in the field of landscape you know and in nature photography particularly in, in landscape um i i you know see a lot of portfolios coming through and for some reason i don't see as much many portfolios coming in by women as as i think oh, yeah. i should be seeing and i'm mm-hmm. kind of curious to hear it from some your perspective in terms of your awareness of other of other women who are doing the like work to you because traditionally you know this this area of photography has always been sort of male dominated. You know the names that usually come up are usually, usually men. But I'm real curious to hear about your own awareness of of the women in the field and 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 what role they you feel that they're playing in in today's age of of landscape photography.
1: Oh yeah, well there's starting to be more and more women in landscape photography. But still, even in the classes with Better Photo, uh, over three fourths of the over I mean I maybe. Over three-fourths of the students are men in my classes mm-hmm. um, and continue to be. Um, for some reason, men seem to be more drawn to it than um, women, I believe. Um, I love it. Um, maybe women don't like the technical aspects of it um, because um, you certainly have to have that, learn that part of it. Um, you know, I'm not quite sure why why um, men are so more drawn to landscape photography than women, um, but it is nice to see that there's more and more nowadays.
0: When you're when you're hmm. teaching, do you have any ideas or thoughts on that? You know, it's I'm not really sh- I'm not really sure. Um, I find that that right now, increasingly, there are more and more women that are actually the the, the picture takers in in the family. So I, mm-hmm. I see that a lot of it eventually blossoms into uh, mm-hmm. a lot of women specializing in, in say, travel photography. Oh, um, yeah. I see a lot of stuff in terms of macro work, uh, especially in portraiture. I think that oh, they're, they're a yeah. huge force in, in that. Um, in landscape, I'm really not sure what what it is about it that I'm not seeing as much. Um, I think it probably that probably will change sort of over mm-hmm. time but uh, in hearing you speak at Redmond I think one of the, the one of the reactions was was when they heard that you went out there to go and shoot landscape that you'd do it by yourself you know oh they, yeah and it was just like it's it's just assumed that if you're a guy you're just gonna go out and venture by yourself to go out and take photographs but all of a sudden because it was a woman saying it all of a sudden there was kind of like oh, you know, are you sure it's a smart idea to do? And, you know, concerns of safety would come up. But don't come up when when it's a guy going out there to take pictures. You know what I'm saying? Oh, that's true. Do you, mm-hmm. do you get that reaction yes. much at all?
1: Um, Yes, once in a while I do, and, and certainly from my mother, who was like, <laughs> oh, you must be careful. You need a cell phone. You need to bring your cell phone. It's like, it's not even going to work, but sure, Mom, I'll do whatever you are like. <laughs> You know, and um, I haven't had any troubles being out in the outdoors. You know, I've had some troubles when I've been in, you know, European cities out in, in the middle of 1 o'clock at night, which probably wasn't a great mm-hmm. idea, but, you know, sometimes the, just things happen. And, um, but the outdoors usually, is, you know, maybe it's a sense of that um, if I come to a place out of fear and I probably draw that experience to me to me, if I come to a place where, you know, everything's going to be okay, somehow it seems to work that way for me. Mm. The, um, and, of course, just take regular precautions. But um, And yeah, I
0: think it's sensible to do it, whether you're a man or a know, woman, you know, just to take those precautions and be careful.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm, like, more afraid of the uh, grizzly bears, you know, because I I'll like, Denali, <laughs> for a few weeks by myself, you know, in the middle of nowhere with no one else, you know. I'm like, hmm hope No uh, animals come up behind me, you know. But of course, they'll probably be more scared than I am. But um, it is a good idea to to, to take precautions.
0: Absolutely, especially when like involving that. bears. Yeah. <laughs> um, you do a you do a lot of teaching. Um, what do you find are some of the issues that people should pay particular attention uh, about in terms of improving their 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 landscape photography? Because I know. In teaching my courses, there's certain things that come up over and over again. What are they for you?
1: Oh, yeah, certainly. The things that I see the most are um, out-of-focus foregrounds or distracting elements in the background, um, depth of field, and focusing points are probably the um, ones that come to mind first. Um, depth of field is something that um, where either you want to have everything in good focus or maybe you just want to select a certain uh, particular thing and then have the background out of focus. And then um, that is probably the one that I see people struggle with the most, Mm. is learning how to decide what f stop to use in order to either make the background go out of focus or to have everything in good focus.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting because I kind of find that in in my courses as well. It seems like everyone Mm -hmm. assumes that, that focus is focusing either is being taken care of by the camera or they don't have to be as concerned about it as much Mm -hmm. and they're so concerned with more about you know exposure or flash and and it seems like Mm -hmm. the most fundamental aspect of taking a picture ends up being the the one thing that can ruin ruin a photograph by not being aware of it
1: oh yeah and because there's, you know, particular points, you know, for a flower focusing maybe on the center point or, you know, we, as you know, portraits on the eyes or things like that. And if they focus on the ear or some other part, it, the image doesn't quite look as they wanted it to.
0: Yeah. You're going to be traveling to Mexico, you mentioned. Uh, when you travel abroad, are you still photographing uh-huh. landscapes or are you doing other types of photography when you're venturing outside of the United States?
1: Oh, I'm doing travel photography, architecture. I photograph the people on the streets, all sorts of stuff. All areas of photography. Um, nature is what I really like. Concentrating, in, it's what is in my heart the most. So it's what I present to the world because that's where I, it's what I love and connect with. You know, I love just the beauty of a flower or um, things, just simple. You know, the fall-colored leaves, things like that. And so that's what I show and present. But when I'm out. And um, other places, I photograph all sorts of stuff. Mm. I really, um, I do really like photographing people and um, buildings and architecture of other countries, kind of getting a sense of their culture and way of life.
0: You talk, uh, you talk about on your website about the goal for you is is evoking a mood, um, and you say you describe it as a evoking a chord of recognition. That, oh that, that yeah. Of, Tell me more uh, about that. I kind of think I know what you're saying, but could you elaborate a little more on what, what you mean by that?
1: A kind of a court of recognition of truth of who we really are and of our true essence of our being, you know, our connection with whatever it is, you know, all that is our connection with nature and really um, allowing people to see the beauty of ourselves because people are so beautiful. In my daily life, it's so easy to come from a place of judgment, of seeing other people, of, um, you know, seeing their weaknesses or or the things that irritate me. And when I go and Look at the beauty of a flower, or the, you know, mountain peak in evening light. It just reminds me just how beautiful the earth is, and how beautiful we are. And the, and when all of that fades away, there is just such a sense of peacefulness and purpose. And um, there's, that's really what I want to convey: is the beauty that we all are. Mm.
0: Tell me, is I, that what you had in mind? Yeah, I mean that kind of kind of clarifies it for me. Um, I like this is a particular. You know, photography is so much more than just making a a pretty picture. And I think it really is about being able to communicate something to someone else via just a photograph. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it's one thing to tell someone that this is what you're trying to express. But when you have it in a photograph that someone looks at it and then they have that immediate instantaneous emotional reaction to it. I think in yeah. in some ways that's a lot more successful than having to try and explain it in words mhm, and I think it's one of the, one of the appealing things for photography, irregardless of who you are or what you shoot, is I think we're mm-hmm. all striving for that for that moment of recognition when we look at someone's face who's looking at one of our pictures mm-hmm. and you see it and you see it happening, and then you know that you're you're successful at it,
1: oh yeah. It's true, and that that just hopefully, you know, it touches people's heart when they see something beautiful and reminds them to, you know, be in nature. And the beautiful things, like with art shows, um, my booth will be filled with people of all different personality types, you know, all different um, ways of looking at life. Um, I remember a Russian family, very introverted, quiet, and reserved, and formal, and, um, you know, um, these a man, you know, and his girlfriend dressed, you know, they're very, very much Harley Davidson looking um, six foot five and big and and all um, oh, they're all dressed in leather and they're talking. They're talking because they're sharing um, an experience together and um, they would not talk otherwise together probably, you know, mm-hmm. and it's a coming, it's, you know, Bring, photographs bring people together in a way that they can share of an experience and remember that um, we're not just people. And we may have our differences and our different personalities, but we could still get along and um, enjoy the time together.
0: Mm. Well, the last question I always ask is I I ask a photographer to recommend another photographer uh, uh-huh. whose work they really admire and think other people should pursue who would that be for you and why?
1: Oh, I have so many that I love. Mm. Uh, Sebastian Salgado comes to mind offhand. Um, I really love his images. They're just so classic in their composition. And he makes um, a complicated scene look simplistic and beautiful um, with a poignant sort of message that he tries to convey of you know he has images of workers that i really like that series Mm -hmm. and images of migrations of people um they're just so powerful when i see his images i'm just so touched emotionally that um i probably would recommend that one
0: well jenny thank you so much it was great okay well thank
1: you so much too. i loved it all right
0: Well, thanks for listening to another episode of The Candid Frame. If if you have any comments about this episode, uh, feel free to email me at thecandidframe at gmail.com or leave a message at the blog at thecandidframe.com. Until next time, this is Evarian X. Pirello, and this is The Candid Frame. The days grow shorter, the weather gets colder,
2: and our hearts are once more filled with warmth. And again, as every year, thousands and thousands of digital cameras will find their way under the Christmas trees. But many of those little cameras are very, very sad, because they will only be used for the simplest of snapshots, even though they are capable of doing so much more. In order to change that, Wait, 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 hold on a second, hold, stop it! Can't you see I just don't have the time to record any promos right now? I mean, just listen, I'm working hard on getting this advent calendar done for the listeners, and it has to be finished by December the 1st. Now, look, I've got 24 doors to fill with content. Let me show you. Come on, open up. See, it's a tough job. Okay, now, please excuse me. I've got more work to do here. 24 tips for your digital photography, starting December 1st at tipsfromthetopfloor.com. The podcast about all things digital photography. Check out this show and more great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com photocastnetwork.com